Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. I have a really, really great guest today. I always have great guests, but today feels like a needed guest, someone who is working in the world of coaching and is going to help all of us, myself included, navigate what seems to be a pretty tough time in the world. The podcast, as you may have noticed, has actually been on hiatus for the past two weeks. I was in my master's residency, so that's one good reason for it. Um, But it's also because yours truly needed a bit of a break. But with that break, no matter what else I was up to that was filling my brain and my life, always comes a little bit of guilt for me. I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough. And hello, that inner critic just wakes up and starts to attack my brain a bit. So today's episode, I'm really excited about. It is all about learning and practicing the art of mind habits. And my guest will explain what those are in just a moment. If you haven't heard of mind habits before, and we're also going to talk a lot about silencing that critical voice, basically because I need to talk about that. It's important to me right now. So I'm going to introduce my wonderful guest to you with gentle yet profound guidance, TEDx speaker, author, and life strategies coach, Ranbir. You know what, Ranbir? And I'm, we just said this before. We're just going to let this go. We're not even going to edit it. And then I realized I should ask you how to pronounce your last name. So let's do that live right now. Sure. It's poor. Who are, and I don't have that beautiful accent, so I'm not going to get that right, but Ranbir helps you, Ranbir helps us change the conversation that we are having with ourselves. Her techniques teach you how to incrementally change the tone of your inner voice and help you reprogram and reset, releasing your inner champion. That's what I need today. Whether you are a stressed out business owner or a student struggling with anxiety, Ranbir offers the tools you need to silence that inner critic, change your life, and unleash your true potential. Most importantly, Ranbir's work focuses on improving the relationships under your roof by helping you learn to like yourself and like your family. That's a big ask some days, I know, in the middle (laughs) of a pandemic. Ranbir has also been a 20-time staff pick on Insight Timer. This is the world's largest community of meditators. We are in good hands today. And she is the creator of the incredibly popular Today I Practice Mind Habits with an accompanying app launching very, very soon. 
which I was so honored to be a part of the team for as well. Welcome, welcome Rambeer to Unapologetic Stories. Thank you so much, Anna, for helping me. And I was so honored to have you on the Today I Practice team. I can't thank you enough for that contribution you made. So I'm really excited to share that with the world soon. Oh, I cannot wait to get my hands on this. So let's actually just start there. Tell us what is Today I Practice. Well, Today I Practice was something that the vision for it, um, meditators will tell you visions often come or, you know, the muse kind of accesses you after meditation. And so after meditation one day, I had got this idea, just, it was a complete vision, just to download it into my brain and body. And it was to create something that countered the idea of the affirmation, because I know when we're struggling, you know, a lot of the time we're just told to tell ourselves, oh, just use affirmations and, you know, focus on positivity and all of that kind of stuff. And, and while that's good and wonderful, sometimes when you're struggling or when you want to create change proactively, those things don't necessarily work because the brain has a negativity bias. So the design for today, our practice is to teach people how to take one mind habit at a time and allow them to focus on just that one thing. Cause really, truly that's all the brain can do when we're trying to create change and um, allows you to practice putting it into place. So you can, get a good kind of comfort with that and then move on. And I guess the reason I struggle with the affirmations is that, you know, today I practice what it truly does. It helps you build self-trust because affirmations, if you keep telling yourself, I am so rich, blah, 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 blah. And your (laughs) bank accounts like telling you no, then what happens is you actually begin to trust yourself less. And when that self-trust starts to go in that downward spiral, you and I both know what happens after that. It's like one bad thing after another starts. Mm. So this is meant to put the sort of stopper (laughs) into that. So you can, you know, fill yourself with things that are true to the brain, true to the body and productive. Okay. This is a long answer. (laughs) No, long and brilliant. So this is what really captivated, captivated me about your work. When I first heard about today, I practice, and it is a card deck is going to be published as a card deck and then also an app. So the today I practice mind habits, it doesn't necessarily take away. And I say this kind of cautiously for anyone out there who's been practicing affirmations, Uh, this isn't about taking away affirmations, but it's really about sort of up-leveling them so that we understand that affirmations alone and sometimes known as sort of toxic positivity doesn't work. And I love how you explain this. It's like, we stop trusting ourselves. Cause if I keep saying, uh, I'm, I'm so beautiful, I'm so beautiful, but then I am being fed a whole bunch of other messages elsewhere, or I'm looking in the mirror and all my patterns, kind of thoughts and behaviors and beliefs from the past keep coming up. Mm -hmm. I stop trusting the affirmation. And what you're telling us then is we then stop trusting ourselves, the person who's telling us the affirmation. And therefore we're in the downward spiral Mm -hmm. of negativity. That's pretty big. Yeah. And and it's all about self-trust, you know, everything and anything that we're doing on this journey called life is about is all an inside job and you know when you're going to take a leap of faith you do that gut check 
Well, can I jump? Will the net appear? And today I practice is designed to help you learn how to <laughs> thread that net together. So when you jump, the net's there and you know, it's there because you put it there. Okay. Okay. You know, it's there because you put it there. So back us up just a bit, because I want to make sure that we have the definitions here as well, before we dive into the mind habit conversation, what is negativity bias that you mentioned earlier? Well, our primal brain is wired to keep us alive, <laughs> to help, you know, save us from being attacked by the saber toothed tiger or something crazy like that. So as much as we have evolved in our lifestyles, the brain is still very primal, still very, very much in line with, um, real, uh, you know, th those were real stresses. So we have this negativity bias to keep us on our toes. So we know how to keep ourselves alive. Mm. So much of our stress today isn't about staying alive. So much of our stress then is a perceived stress. So then we always look for ways that things are, can go wrong. It's meant to be a way for us to stay alive and to thrive and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But now we have so much of that perceived stress through our imagination that our negativity bias tends to take us down this really narrow path you know, that has one end result and that's you being unhappy or unfulfilled. Right. Story that matches the inner critic. The story that matches the inner critic. Yes. Okay. I just had a light bulb go off there. That's mm. exactly it. Isn't it? It's like, mm. it just begins to align with all of the things that you believe. And I'm going to put in, in quotations here negatively about yourself. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. Tell you know, me. And I'll add there. A lot of us are trained. I'll bet you are. Cause you and I are quite, um, <laughs> aligned. <We are. laughs> um, a lot of us, you know, we think, all right, you know, pressure makes diamonds, you know, I want to use that negativity and it's going to push me to do better because we are three times more likely to try to avoid a penalty than we are to get a reward. Okay. Big so it's pause. another reason practicing a mind habit is going to help you so much more than trying to tell yourself you're rich, beautiful, thin, whatever uh, we women tell ourselves, you know? Okay. I think honestly, this feels like such a huge moment right now. I'm, I'm like, we're five minutes in and I've already had like three aha moments with you, which I knew <laughs> was going to happen, which is so great. But isn't, isn't that so true is we are working more to avoid punishment mm -hmm. than we are to seek reward. Mm -hmm. So if you think wow. if that's how we're wired, how do we, um, what do they call it? Hot wire that wiring <laughs> and, yeah. and, and make the car go in, in, in a different way. Like how, how do we, how do we shift things up and we shift things up by creating self-trust and how do we create that self-trust is through habits and mind habits and, and knowing that you can count on yourself. Got it. Okay. So is the reward then the reward is self-trust or self-trust brings you to the reward? I guess it's both maybe. I, I think it's, well, for me, uh, how much I disliked myself and how little faith I had in myself the, the reward for me is self-trust. Yeah. Um, but for others, you know, 
maybe they don't have that desire to be on that enlightenment story and they just want to be able to trust themselves in order to achieve something in the 3D world. Um, so I think it is both and both are fair and fine because all of us have a different uh, journey. Yeah. I'm like you though. I think, I mean, not that that would surprise you much, but <laughs> I really feel like my life's work up to this point has been literally looking for self-trust and being able to be guided by, I want to say almost like I can just reward myself by saying this feels good and I'm doing what I love. And mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm in my purpose. I mean, you can plug in all of those, those words around it, but I think I'm like you, I think self-trust and just following who I am versus following the inner critic that mm -hmm. surely is seeking to avoid punishment, which rings very true for me. Mm -hmm. I think that is the reward for me is just kind of stepping in and saying, I'm okay without somebody else's approval. That feels yes. really big. Yes. I call it, uh, I will just say, be your own validator. And that mm -hmm. uh, alone is huge. <laughs> you know, it's a very modern way to rephrase, you know, some Buddhist practices. <laughs> yeah. Don't take the good, don't take the bad, like self-validate. Yeah. Yeah. I've struggled. This is something that I've actually struggled with for a really long time. And you and I haven't talked about this. So this is really kind of a, a an interesting time to open it. Mm -hmm. Um, as I'm just, I'm just going to like pour it right out there and we'll see what happens here sure. is I've always struggled with this, with reconciling what my, my belief is <clears throat> how deeply we need other people mm. and how deeply we need to be connected to other people. And that, our core needs really is like approval and appreciation and acceptance and all of those things, which ultimately on a spiritual journey, we're always guiding ourselves to sort of find that approval from within and find that appreciation from within. And yet we have to sort of live, as you say, in this 3d world, and we have to be with other people. And it has become so relevant to me in the last couple of years that in all of this social distancing and isolation and being apart from one another in the pandemic, again, going like, wow, this is, this is a crisis in and of itself is this loneliness and this isolation and this disconnection. And so we're like connecting, but also like, we want you to approve yourself and accept yourself. And I don't know that I've reconciled those two things yet. It's something that I continuously kind of dialogue with myself about, but I would love your thoughts around that is how do we, how do we just be okay, but also like need other people? Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm East Indian. I was uh, born in India. We moved here when I was um, just under two, I think. And so I have the benefit of having some philosophies that were part of my quote unquote program um, and uh, get to apply them in, in the world that I live in, which is Canada and in the West. And what's interesting is the observation on the idea of, of being alone. In the East, time alone is considered the greatest act of self-love. And in the West, we've conditioned and programmed ourselves from very, very poor parenting um, advice to say, time alone is a punishment. It starts off with timeouts, get out of my face, get a, get a blah, 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 blah. It's always, you know, considered a punishment. So if you just try to peel back the layers on, on what's the program for you on what alone means, oh. because we come in this body alone, we leave alone. But if, if you take the Eastern philosophy instead of the Western then you can consider it the greatest act of self-love. That is fascinating to me. And my mind immediately goes to, um, 
obviously cultural makeup as well. Mm -hmm. Like the West is such an individualistic an individualist society. Like we've really cultivated individualism so much. And I think that's maybe what I struggle with is we've cultivated mm. individualism. Like can I, can I, can I debate yeah. you on that? Oh, please. Oh, I would, <laughs> I, I would absolutely love some insight. Yes. Uh, I think the West cultivates insecurity, not individualism, because okay. I think the East cultivates individualism because you are to make the most of yourself and be the best of yourself, fill, like push your container right to the limit. Whereas in the West, it's all pinging off other people. So that creates in, insecurity yes. versus individualism. Love it. Because I think the individual is something, the idea of, you know, the more you can be that focus on that individual contribution, the more society benefits. Yeah. Okay. I love this reframe. I mean, I'm just yanking sociological terms here, but I love this reframe. It makes so much more sense how you're describing this. And it's so true, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah. Once again, another, yeah, and, 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 and all of it is just reframing, right? It's just yeah. playing with the English language. Yeah. Which is so necessary though. And I think it's necessary literally in this conversation that we're having, because we're talking about how we communicate Mm -hmm. with our, literally with ourselves, how are we communicating with ourselves? And of course we know, I mean, we don't, nobody would debate the fact that our culture and our family background and all of that sort of adds language and dialogue and beliefs and patterns and, and things that come into that conversation. But let's talk about, let's go straight to mind habits now, because I want to really deal with this topic of the inner critic. I really want to kind of wrap our arms around that because I know Mm -hmm. that not just something I've struggled with as like a perfectionist slash recovering perfectionist slash probably not really recovering, Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying, but not doing so great at it. But I know that most people that I'm talking to right now, most people I'm in conversation with my friends, even family are really struggling with this, with the dialogue, just that inner dialogue. So talk to me about First of all, what is a mind habit? Define that for us. I know you did a little bit before, but let's get really super clear on it. Well, if you think about a habit, it's something you do repeatedly. Um, It's habitual. It it is something you develop. It's not something you are. And so if you think, and if you apply that to some, a bigger um, idea like Alcoholics Anonymous, you are always an alcoholic for life because a habit is always there. Even if you change it, that it still lives in the brain. So we, it's, it's, it's a, it's something you do consistently. So you consistently show up and go to the gym. You consistently catch yourself when the negative thoughts are flowing quick, um, or you consistently go for a walk or so on and so forth. It's something that you do with consistency. So if you were to think of any habit, that you create, all of them is, are based in the mind. Um, so this is just a, a, a different way of saying, you know, creating a habit of how you think about things. Mm-hmm. And I always say, start with one small thing. That's why it's today I practice. And one of the ones that's really popular um, is celebrating the success of, other, of others. So that's a small mind habit where quite often we're conditioned in the Western world, many worlds actually, when somebody succeeds, we look at them, instead of celebrating their success, we look at them with jealousy, envy, self-pity, 
all of these sorts of things. So if you just take the idea of every time now for the next week, after you hear this podcast, that you see somebody have a win, I'd like you to just put yourself right in their shoes and feel it as if it's happening to you. Celebrate them because there's enough to go around. And so starting with that sort of really small incremental thinking change to say to yourself, I'm going to challenge myself to celebrate the success of others for a whole week. And until I get that, until I feel it in my bones, I'm not going to move on to another habit. Because the way habits work is you're not starting a new habit. You're swapping habits. Right. So, right. You're swapping. So if you look at uh, what I used to do is be down on myself and think, how can I do what they're doing? Blah, 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 blah. And I swap that for my gosh, that's so exciting. If she can do it, I can do it. I wonder what steps she took to get there. Oh, that must feel so incredible for her. I, uh, you know, instead of, you know, you, so you're swapping thoughts. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love that you gave us some tangible examples there too. Like the actual thought is I'm so happy for her, or these are some steps I can take to get there. So mm-hmm. just having that, that again, it's a reframe of language versus I wish I was her, or I wish mm-hmm. I could get there, or I'll mm-hmm. never get there. Things that we often tell ourselves when we're feeling that sense of, kind oh, of- she's so lucky, or she has so this, lucky. or she, you know, so, you know, and, and, and you don't even have to say, I'm so happy for her. You can ask yourself, ask your brain, show me how to be happy for her. What can I do to be happy for her? How can I learn to celebrate the success of others? Like you, you can, if you're really like way to the other side, think about the next best step towards that mind habit. Don't, you don't have to go right to the end. And I think that's the other thing we do is that I, you know, and I, and I, and I work with a lot of males and, and I'm a mom of boys. So this analogy and comes in quite a few conversations, but if you have a five speed car, you're not going to drive in fifth gear all the time, right? You need to go to first, second, third, fourth, and fifth gear. Like you need to learn how to drive the car. So where are you? Like, you know, are, are, are you coming up a, a really big hill? Are you going downhill? Like, where are you in your life's journey? And ask what gear you need to be. And you don't have to go from zero to a hundred in the mind habit. Start where you are. Mm, start where you are. Yes. Okay. I absolutely love that. And it's so interesting as you're saying all of this, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that the audience is kind of getting visuals and they're starting to resonate with some of this as well, particularly this, even just comparisonitis and things that I think we're all mm-hmm. up against a little bit in the social media world. What came up for me so interestingly is I was thinking, I wish, <clears throat> excuse me, I wish I could look at myself and say, look how great she's doing. Well, I don't, know, have, I don't really don't have a problem saying it to other people. And I, I, I mean, I think most people in my community know this about me as I just yeah. celebrate everyone constantly, but you not, do. but not myself, which is so just- then, then all you need to do is instead of asking yourself to eat the whole happy meal, break it into parts, <laughs> you know, but I haven't had McDonald's in like 14 years. I don't even know why I came up with that, that example. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, so I eat junk food. Don't worry about that. I don't mean that in any kind of like way, but so instead of trying to eat the whole happy meal, why don't you start with the fries Yeah. and say, instead of saying, I wish, you know, I could, I want to celebrate myself or you did such a great job. Why don't you just say, what did you do? Right. You know, there's some, 
some questions that I ask uh, in uh, that I've put up on social media and I haven't done it in a little while, but you could just ask yourself a question in the morning that says, why is my life so great? Ah, it's a lot better than forced gratitude journals. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you can just answer the question because the brain loves taking direction. They love the brain loves being asked questions. So if you're struggling, use questions to get you through. And I'm not the first person to come up with this idea. This is something that's old and you've been used many, many times, but we often forget how to use it in the right phrasing per se. Mm. And so you could ask yourself if you've got a win, if you had a win and you don't feel like it's, you can't celebrate it. You could just say, um, what did I do right on this? You know, um, what can I put into a template for the perfectionist to, yeah. <laughs> to use next time? You know? Yeah. God, I love that. I'm definitely going to use that. And I hope, <laughs> hope everyone else out there that's listening is getting as much from this as I am, because I'm like, quite literally taking notes. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow. It's so good. So I am curious because of course we, this is not called unapologetic stories for no reason, but mm. I am deeply curious about why people get into the work that they're in and why you particularly kind of began the work of mm -hmm. affirmations don't work. And, you know, we need these mind habits. How do we silence that inner critic? Tell me a little bit about your backstory. How did you get to be this wise? Uh, <laughs> it's an ancient Indian secret. Um, I'm kidding. I have a sense of humor, which I probably get canceled a couple times a day. Um, so I, I actually didn't had no intention to do this work. And I, uh, was, um, this, the way that this, my work started is I, I don't know if I told you this story. My son, Asher, uh, was five months old. Isaac is three years older. So we were in Maui. And we were in a lobby of um, a condo and my husband wanted to look at condos there. And, and he said, hi to a gentleman. And I just said to him, uh, oh, is this one of your clients? And I said this in front of the man. And he says, no, this is uh, Wayne Dyer. And I was like, oh gosh, I know your name from somewhere. Like you sound <laughs> really familiar. And it took me a few minutes. And then I finally said to him, oh my gosh, of course we have one of your CDs, but you know what? I never finish it because your voice is super relaxing and I fall asleep. And he starts laughing and he says, can I hug you? And I thought, you know, <laughs> no, not really. Cause <laughs> I, I have like, I've got nursing boobs, yours, complete stranger, no shirt on. I don't know if I want to hug you, but then eventually I did. And we started this little friendship. So when I went to Maui, he would, you know, ask me questions. And then he, I guess he put something together that I didn't see myself. And he said to me, you know, you've got this gift and you're making excuses and you need to put pen to paper and start writing. Oh. And I thought, no way, no, I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know, if someone throws it down. I'm like, no way, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Of course, I'm not making excuses. I can do it. I can write. Yes. I don't even know what I was writing at that point, but I just wanted to like win. <laughs> so so I started writing and then it's been like that since 2009. That's how my journey started. That is incredible. And were you, as I was at that time, or as I am now from time to time, were you also struggling with the inner critic? Like, is this something that you really kind of, you had to tackle? Anna, <laughs> uh, where do I begin? I had a very, very difficult childhood. 
And so my insecurity ran so deep. I used to talk in my sleep about it, according to my husband. And I like would be always working to me, you know, if I work, 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 I can, you know, I'm producing value and, you know, I'm, I'm worthwhile. And to learning how to slow down, um, you know, my, one of my friends introduced this quote to me a long time ago, and it's been, it always resonates for me. It's that Diane Ackerman. When I get to the end of my life, I, you know, I want to live, I want to know that I've lived the, the width of it, not just the length of it. so my inner critic had me speeding through things to win 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 like even with the Wayne like I was like oh whatever I'll prove you wrong I'm gonna win (laughs) I can win um but I had to learn how to go wide and becoming a mother hands down is the thing that made me go wide oh that's interesting okay tell Mm -hmm. me more about that well when Isaac was born uh I remember looking at him and I and and I've said this in speeches before, but I remember looking at him and thinking, I don't want the storms that brew inside of me to descend on my kid. Mm. I I wanted to be the mom. My mom was lovely. Don't get me wrong, but she just wasn't, you know, what I, she wasn't, she had a hard life. Like she couldn't give me what I need as a creative. And, you know, I was so different than everybody else. Yeah. And so, um, and I didn't understand the customs. I didn't understand everything. I made her life very difficult too. Um, so I just wanted to have a chance to create my own happy childhood. And I did it through my voice. So I was able to heal myself um, in ways that I don't know if anyone ever does any energy healing at something um, that's not for everybody. But I remember an energy healer asked me, how I must've had a great childhood because he couldn't feel any kind of trauma in my body. And I thought that's probably the best compliment anyone's ever given me. Wow. That he couldn't feel any childhood trauma because I've done my work and I did my work because I wanted to be a certain type of mom for my sons. Oof. Yeah. That just gave me goosebumps. I feel that Mm. so much. I've Mm. talked about this on the podcast before too, about how my children are my higher calling. Mm-hmm. And whether or not I ever say that to them or they ever know it, I, I mean, I suspect they feel it probably at some level, but, uh, there is really nothing that I feel like I can't overcome. Although there have been days, I tell you mm-hmm. days when I've sat in bathroom, sitting on the edge of a tub and yes. crying my eyes out and in the darkness and just saying, I cannot do this one more day. I cannot do this one more day. I cannot do this one more day. And then thinking, I have to do this one more day. I have to do this one more day. And every time it is because I picture my children, I picture Mm -hmm. the life I want for them. I think I I picture the mother I want to be for them. It really does. Like it is, it's everything to me. In fact, I remember now, as I'm saying this, I don't think I've ever shared this before. I was sitting in my doctor's office probably about a year ago now and doing the typical thing where you go to the doctor and nobody has asked you if you're okay for a really long time. And so they're like, Mm -hmm. and why are you here? And then you burst into tears because Mm -hmm. now, now you're there. So now you can. And so I was telling him everything and, and then he walked through a lot of the different options and what was going on. And we talked about the storyline and moving forward. And he even said at that time, like, if I had to go into battle and take three patients with me, you'd be one of them. Wow for this reason. And it was Mm. because I think I was through tears saying, I just, there is nothing that I won't overcome for these Mm -hmm. kids, nothing. 
And anyway, I just went on a no, it's, it's, there, but it's powerful. It's so powerful. And what's interesting. So I went, I had, you know, I, I deeply connect with that. And then there was one, uh, one particular memory or one particular experience I had that my son said something to me that made me take myself in a, in a, to a different, um, to an additional level. I said, I was giving an example of something. I said, well, you don't want to do it like this. So you don't want to be like me. And he was little, um, and I won't say which one, because I can say he, it could be either one of them, 50-50 chance on your guess. Um, but he said, well, he's crying and crying and said, mom, why would you say that? I want to be exactly like you. Oh, I could cry. In that moment, oh, I'm fighting back the tears. In that moment, I thought so many things to myself. A, you've arrived. Mm. And B, what is he trying to tell you about you that you can't see? Ooh. Who does he see? Oh my God. I am covered in goosebumps right now. I know. And I'm like fighting back the tears. <laughs> and uh, so then I found a statement in the Course in Miracles uh, that when I'm on the floor <laughs> crying some days, I've had a lot of difficult, difficult things happen in the past while. Mm. I say that statement uh, from A Course in Miracles that says the only thing that's real is God's love for me. Yeah. And you could say my children's love for me. You could say the universe's love for me, it, whatever you believe. But in those moments, it's so grounding for me. Ugh, that's so true. It is mm -hmm. so true. I can like, I'm putting myself in that moment right now because I have been there, I think. And honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb, which is probably not a, a risky limb right now and say that I think there's a lot of people who are having those days right now. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of, and my circle of course is mostly mothers and mostly other women and people working and balancing life and, and motherhood and all of the things that come along with pandemic and COVID and school closures. And now in our local area here in Vancouver, Fraser Valley, we have floods and we have mm -hmm. housing situations and highways closing down and illness and disease. And I mean, there's just so much going on that there are many a day, I think that a lot of us are fighting back those tears and thinking like, we just need something to ground ourselves into the next moment. And mm -hmm. what a beautiful kind of offering that is. It's like the only thing that matters in this moment is my children's love for me, God's love for me, the universe's love, whatever resonates. And even my yeah, own yeah. love for me, if that, if you can get there, I mean, I think that's probably the hardest. That's challenge. the ultimate, <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate challenge. That's the ultimate but, challenge. But, yeah. but, 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 but figure out what your statement is, but close your eyes and feel it in your body. You know, you're, I've said this so many times in the past, but you know, your head might create the thoughts, but your body carries that head around. So it work, they work together. So when you're trying to figure out it, it, when you're struggling, close your eyes, say the statement, if it doesn't feel right in your body, it's not yours. Oh, there's no trust there. Your body will tell you if it trusts the statement that you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So this really, yeah. And that really comes back to what we were saying earlier on at the top around affirmations here too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not demonizing one practice. No, not at other. all. It really is just sometimes we try it and we try it and we try it because we've been fed one narrative, which is just say this thing over and over, say this beautiful affirmation over and over, and eventually you'll feel it. And I think if that's not true for anyone listening out there and they've really struggled with that and think this isn't helping me at all, 
we tend to get into that mindset where we go, well, I'm clearly failing at this. And what you're saying is you're not failing at affirmations. That affirmation doesn't belong to you. It's not for you. There is something else that is for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's big. That's really big. And the same thing happens for vision boards. Like (laughs) throw it all up on a vision board and you know, like you and I know about stats on goal setting, you know, the the negativity bias isn't going to help you focus on the three things you got on your vision board. It's going to look at the seven things you didn't. Yeah. So let, like, let's change the narrative on, oh, you, you know, just say it, just put on a vision board, all this stuff. No, 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 no. Part of it is creative visualization is a part of it. But the other part of it is the, the human part, the brain, the body, in order to achieve that level of law of attraction uh, stuff, you got to have buy-in in the body. You have to have buy-in in the body. Yeah. And what are we, what are we feeling for Rambier? What in the body in that somatic experience, what do you personally kind of go? Yes, this is a yes. Uh, well, for me, my, you know, I, it, I, if I feel, I can tell you what my no is always nausea. <laughs> oh, interesting. Nausea. Yeah. Like I'll feel nauseous right away in the body. Um, so so sometimes I can feel the nausea before the day started and I'm like, I'm going to get a big no today somewhere. (laughs) And, 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 and that alone helps me prepare myself because then I know, okay, if something tough's going to, I can feel it in my body instinctively primally that maybe something, a surprise or something's going to come my way. So I meditate a little longer. I exercise a little longer. So I build my stores up because I do pay attention to my primal being as part of my spiritual experience. Right. Okay. Yeah, this is great. And and I think this is what people really need to hear right now. I'm so glad I had you on today. (laughs) What people really, really need to hear, I think, is there is this kind of separation that happens between mind and body Mm -hmm. often. And we're either in our head or we're in our body or, and in many cases, and there are cases where people have no control over the fact that they've left their body in some sense, and they've had to transcend a particular trauma or something that's, that's really, really deep grief Mm -hmm. and pain, but there's something magical that happens when those two things kind of come back together. And again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I do this thing where I say, where's my mind? Where's my body? Mm. Where is my mind? Where's my body? If I have to remind myself if I'm up here thinking about something that's in the future and then I go, well, where's your body, Anna? Oh, right. It's right here in the present moment on this couch next to the dog in my bed, cuddling my daughter, whatever that looks like. Mm. And so that I can kind of, if, if you can visualize this out there, as I'm saying it, I almost like grab hold of my mind wherever it is and kind of yank it back into my body, back into the present yes. moment. Because otherwise we're just, as um, my friend Daniel says at the Chopra Center, we're just time traveling. Yes. Right. It's like we're time traveling into the future and our body is in a place where it really can't be true. The time travel is also the story of the inner critic because the inner critic's trying to take you down this path to stuff that's not real. Yeah. You know, like it'll, it'll take you out of the moment now to make you imagine something, you know, that's down the road potentially. Yeah. Again not real. So I I like the idea of where's my mind, where's my body. Yeah. Just so simple, right? Like just put your, put your head back in here or your mind back in your head, I should say, because your head is not your mind necessarily. Yes. 
your mind is some external process that mm-hmm. processing all of the other stimulus. But yeah, that's great though, right? Because we do, that is the inner critic. It time travels to the future in order to figure out, or at least pretend it's figuring out how to potentially avoid the punishment that might be coming. Mm-hmm. And really in some way, it's what it's saying is in the past, at some point, I was punished for a behavior that felt similar to this. Or in the past, I failed. Yeah. In the past, I wasn't good. At, I wasn't good at this or I wasn't good at that. Yeah. And so it looks for the future of ways it can repeat the program because you know, if you read trauma research, which I know you have and and do is that, you know, we stay so loyal to the story of the program. So that inner critic's going to fight you hard when you try to tell it that your program is light or love or self-trust, self-like. It's going to fight you hard on that because it wants to stay loyal to the story that your upbringing has for you. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's, I love the way that you articulated that. That's exactly it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's the reason why, truly the reason why storytelling is so important in general, because my core belief is everything's a story. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if everyone believes that or needs to believe it, but I believe everything's a story. Everything from science to math to what we're doing here with one another to the bodies that we live in, everything, Mm -hmm. every conversation and dialogue we have is a story. And so the power of being able to either change that story or recognize at the very least, create awareness that what you believe is not real. Mm -hmm. It's just awareness is everything. Awareness is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Awareness truly is everything and becoming aware, I think, and this is what's so great about the work that you're putting into the world, which is today I practice just bringing that awareness and even just the words it's like today, mm-hmm. which is so present, but then this word practice, which I love, which is like, you don't have to be perfect at it. That helps me. Right. Yes. This is just a practice of being more aware that we have to create these new mind habits. Does that feel mm-hmm. true? Yeah. Yeah. Cause the reality is, um, there's nothing that's perfect here. So everything is a practice of sorts. Yeah. Well, perfect's just a story too, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good story, but <laughs> it's a story. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a story. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, just no, for sure. Fascinating. So tell me about today I practice. So let's talk about kind of practical pra- today I practice stuff. When can listeners get their hands on this app and this card deck? Where do they find you, Rambeer? The app will be on the app store and on the Android store. I think it's called Google Play. <laughs> Google Play. I'm yep. not hundred percent sure. And so we're testing it right now. We've had a couple of versions over the year, but we've finally um, found a, a, an incredible local artist to work with Lou Dahl. People like you um, helped me craft the story um, and the messaging around it. So it, Right now we're in the final testing of it. So I'm hoping our testing will be done in the coming weeks and it'll be ready for Jan 1 on the App Store. And the card deck, um, I'm not quite sure because with with everything going on with supply chain, yeah. uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of issues there. So we might stick with the app for a little bit 
And then my other vision is I'm, I'm actually now maybe leaning more towards a 365 day book. Oh, beautiful. Because we have so many options for today I practice. And then we will have a learning kit for children that's uh, underway as well. So parents can guide their children through these mind habits because it, you know, all of us want to help the next generation. So um, it'll be something that's put into place in the coming, hopefully first quarter that we'll have that ready as well. Um, so there'll be teaching cards per se, I guess, um, to allow children, um, to start developing this practice a little earlier. Oh, I love that. And they are like, just for anyone listening out there, just to understand kind of what they're getting, these are sort of like bite size habits. So it isn't, Mm -hmm. you don't have to spend a ton of time going through to try and mine out what this habit is or what this, you know, um, practices. It really is like, I'm going to say like an affirmation card just for the experience of it. So you understand, but the app itself is going to, is, will it feel for the user? Like they are pulling an electronic card. How will this? Yeah, very much. So you flip through, you pick a card, and we were going to leave it at that. And then you flip the card and you read it. You can share a save and so on. But um, uh, people protested and wanted the recordings as well, because uh, when I publish them now, so I've, I've recorded all of the 52 in studio as well. So you'll have sound because not everybody learns the same way. So you can listen to your today. I practice. If you followed my work, you'll get that experience. It's all there's audio included as well. And I decided to use a sound frequency behind the audio as well, just to give you a little extra boost because there's so much, there's so much science behind um, sound healing and sound therapy. So I included that as well. Oh, I just don't think that there has ever been a better time in the world to bring something like this to market. And I know your work has, I mean, it has permeated lots of different channels and different avenues for a long time. You had major success on Pinterest, I think. Yeah. I, I think we reach, I think we're reaching 30 million people this year. Right. Yeah. it's yeah, so pretty cool. Yeah. So you're not, you're not new on the scene by any means and neither is this work and the methods that you bring. You've also done a TEDx talk, as we said at the beginning, I mean, you really are out there, but this, I think just being able to reach people through this channel and app, something that's right in the palm of your hand, something that can provide you the experience of pulling that card, which I love. I love pulling cards. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I love my roomy deck. This today I practice is like, it's going to be right in my daily repertoire. Everything about this, I think is just so magical as are you. And oh my goodness, thank you. Literally. I just, I love you so much. I love your work. I love everything that you're about. I love your energy. I really hope if you are out there listening today, that you are feeling as kind of filled up with this episode as I have been. And with new things to try and practice and explore. And please go check out Rambier's work as well. Rambier, thank you so much oh for being goodness, Thank you. And, you know, I have to say, I am a huge fan of your work and what you do in our community, the way you lift people up with your authenticity. Uh, you know, it, it's quite something. And I feel very honored and proud to be here with you and to have you um, by my side for this journey as well. It's, uh, I feel really, really blessed. So thank you. Oh, thank you for saying that. I probably needed to hear that today more than any other day. So I appreciate mm. you for that. Just huge gratitude, big hugs through our zoom screen here. 
And for everyone listening, please join our community of authenticity, like follow along with today. I practice, and you know what, maybe we'll have you back on in the future as well. And we'll touch base with some listeners and see if these things have been working. Cause I think this is really critical. So thank you again for being here. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.